That's me. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm fidgeting. Like, it's my shoes. Shootsy pootsy. Uh, Raleigh was doing that last night, and I, I didn't know where it was coming from. Mm-hmm. And I was literally looking all over the house like, what is that noise? I hear a knocking. I hear a knocking. And it was just Tim tapping. Tap, tap, tap. Gently rapping at your chamber door. That's a song, right? It's from The Raven by Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, tap, tap, tap. Wow. Who's your Who's your squirmiest kid? Squirmiest. Meaning physically like the... the Well, I realize that's not a fair question because they're all different ages. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to assume that right now Luke is the squirmiest because he's the youngest. Could be. When they were all... If you had to compare them at when they were all Luke's age... Raleigh. Raleigh. Mm. I would say he still is too. Really? Yeah. Well, interesting. Luke Luke is so cute when he wakes up in the morning. He comes and usually I'm, so I haven't always been, I haven't wanted to go on the front porch. I don't know why. So mm-hmm. I was doing my prayer in the, in the living room mm-hmm. and he comes and climbs in my lap and snuggles in. Oh. Yeah. That's adorable. He's a little cutie. Totes adorbs. Totes adorbs. Wow, you're so trendy. <laughs> That's trendy from like 10 years ago. Uh, I'm so hot. Of the t- Whenever I think something's cool, my kids always let me know. Um, that's not cool anymore. All my, all my teens that used to say that, they all have like master's degrees and oh, like shoot. kids and it's crazy. It's that old, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like a hundred. It's terrible. Hello, James. How are you? I'm pretty good. Pretty good. I was gonna say fantastic. I am fantastic as well. Um, do you do you feel like uh, do you feel like pretty good means pretty good? What does pretty good mean? Is that better? It means than great. Good? Oh does yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. better than right. It's better than good. See, yeah. Christine thinks it means a little bit less than good. Oh, like mm, so she'd be like, good. "How's the food?" And I'll be like, "It's pretty good." And she'd be like, oh, it wasn't good. Your inflection says that it was better, though. Yeah, but to her... But pretty good but could pretty also good be inflected up, down. Pretty good to her meant the the more negative... Because you could say, growing mm, up. it was pretty good. Yeah. How but, was that? But How if was, you said, oh, it was pretty good. What did you think of that's that movie? Yeah, it was pretty good. That sounds worse. Yeah. I don't know. It's, um, flipping fantastic. Yeah. That's, that's good. better than fantastic. Yes, And it it's is. better than good. Yes. Sorry. It is. I am so good that I'm hitting the mic. <laughs> oh, you're, you're doing great. I'm we couldn't sure, hear it, so that's good. I'm making sure that I am heard. Well, that's, I mean, I don't, I don't know how that's you. That's important for I a podcast. I don't know how you couldn't be heard. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. We're going to bring you a very innovative, <laughs> a very innovative episode today where we're just silent for an hour. I guarantee there's a podcast out there. Probably. There's lots of So stuff. I've actually been listening to, um, I don't know that you would call it a podcast, but it's like a, it's a series on Spotify, uh, that is, um, sort of, uh, motivational, um, uh, what, what is it called when they, when they try to plan ideas in your head? Subliminal messaging. Oh. And it's for things like, um, like keeping a routine, oh, that's uh, cool. exercise, stuff like that. And, and it's this, this 
like it's just kind of like spa music and you're supposed to listen to it as you fall asleep. Oh my gosh. And, and then there's this subliminal messaging that comes through that it's like, that's very, it's very positive. That sounds cool. That's like what we were talking about earlier with like the grooves, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. in our brain, like just like in a path. Yeah. So is it the subliminal messages are trying to create new grooves maybe? Is yeah. that what's happening? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Wow. Does it work? Um, How long have you been doing it? Uh, only about a week. I feel, um, I have noticed that on, on nights when I do that, uh, which means usually like those are nights where the dogs aren't sleeping with me. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm not like falling asleep to the TV. So, so it could just be that I'm intentionally better, better rested because oh, okay, I'm, gotcha. I'm more intentional about rest. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I feel, I feel a little more energized when I wake up, I feel a little better. So, um, so yeah, a little pep in your step. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's a thing. Right. Yeah. Um, we have a really cool episode today. It's part two of the Saints. Part two of the Saints, uh, not the New Orleans Saints. Although we we could we could we could talk about. Drew, I know Drew Brees. I know some things. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You being from New Orleans, you probably uh, do. Mm-hmm. And I have three boys who mm-hmm. care a lot about football. Okay. I have a daughter who doesn't care at all about football. Fair. Yeah. But um, yeah, and Luke's playing on his Madden, like a little, whatever digital. Mm-hmm. thingamajig so he's um always asking me about players like he he attrib- they have numbers attributed to them which i guess is a percentage of out of 100 because mm-hmm. he'll he'll come in and say mom i got whatever jimmy graham and he's a 92 mm-hmm. and i don't even like i'm i guess i'm supposed to be i'm gonna be excited about anything over 90 that's that's my that's sure. in my head and my rule sure i'm not real sure i think that's good i mean your, your kid brings home an a you get right. excited, that, right? That, so I'm attributing it to yeah, that. Yeah, that's, that's logical. So I can talk about things. Nice. A little bit. That's awesome. Okay. Well, um... But we're, we're not going to talk about we're, we're not. We're not talking about those <laughs> saints. Uh, we're talking about uh, saints, saints, uh, meaning uh, people, uh, souls in heaven um, that we know are, are, like we talked about last week, that are holy, meaning uh, set apart, right? People that have yes. come into this state of communion with God uh, that is sort of their, not sort of, that is their their full potential, mm, right? They've reached I their like full that. potential in their relationship with God. Um, we all have the same full potential in terms of a destination, which is heaven. Uh, so we all have the same potential to be saints and the same potential as any saint that's gone before us. Uh, to to be that witness for Christ, to live a Christ-centered life on earth, to be you know a good person, if that's mm-hmm. the way you want to think about it. Um, we all have kind of a different path in getting there uh, because no two saints are alike, which we talked, I think, a little bit about last yeah. week. Um, the variety, the sheer variety this, of them. Huge, there's this huge variety uh, in the saints uh, to, you know, to t- kind of take as our example. Um, but that also in and of itself should make us feel pretty great about us having our own unique gifts mm-hmm. and skills and, and uh, unique life in which to, um, to work for our own sainthood, to work for our own holiness. Right. And to, yes. to work out of that relationship with God, um, that we, that we hopefully are, are, are nurturing and, and being very, uh, very intentional about, um, as we were, uh, so we, we did that episode last week and kind of this, this past week thinking about, um, what more we can say about the saints. And I know we're both going to share some, some saint stories, some stories which is cool. About our um, one of the things that I think, uh, kept coming to mind was, um, our, our, our relationship with God, uh, is what I'm trying to think of how I 
kind of thought about this. Our sainthood, mm-hmm. right? Um, whether we're we're canonized by the church or recognized or anything like that, like our saintliness, our level of saintness, mm-hmm. right, is a direct correlation uh, or, or directly correlates with our relationship with God. Ooh. So okay, and I know that sounds very simple. Well, of, of course, it does, it does sound right? simple, but that makes me feel better because the word potential kind of gives me a little bit of a guilt trip and mm-hmm. pressure. Sure. Um, yeah. And especially I think in the Catholic church, we wind up doing a lot of things out of obligation. We mm-hmm. do a lot of things out, you know, because we feel uh, a little bit of pressure or guilt, or maybe just feel like, oh, that, well, that's what grandma said to do, or that's what father mm, so-and-so said right. to do. So I've it's always done it that way. It's not yeah. really from the heart. Um, so I don't think our relationship with God, our, our relationship with God, even in the catechism, uh, our prayer life kind of begins and ends in our hearts, right? It begins and ends in our, in that consciousness that mm. is our heart. Uh, the, the catechism says that specifically. Um, so that's, I think where our sainthood begins. And, and that to me is such a, like you said, there's a lot of, a lot of freedom and a lot of relief in mm-hmm. thinking of it that way, because it reminds me that God wants me to be a saint for me out of this love for me, not because of, um, not because of any saint that's come before me, not because of anything that, um, anything that he is going to force me to do. And not like an expectation from him. Exactly. Which feels a little icky sometimes, you know, the expectation of others on us. Mm-hmm. It could go that way mm-hmm. if we thought about it that way, but that's not what it's, he's calling it, us it, to. Exactly. It's, it's less of an expectation and more of an opportunity. Yeah. Right? It's because he loves us. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So there's, there's kind Love of this, it. there's kind of this, um, there is this way to kind of look at that, like aspiring to a holy life or, or kind of working towards a holy life that is like kind of having your cake and eating it too. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we think, well, you know, all those, all those holy people or, or, you know, a, a, a goody goody or whatever the connotation mm. might be. We think that they're kind of missing out on some kind of worldly experience. Yeah. Right. Uh, but when we look at the lives of the saints, um, some pretty incredible lives, that's so not the case. Right. And, and even in, um, I'm not advocating to go out and, and lead a sinful life for the sake of like experimentation or anything, but, (laughs) but even in their, their wanderings, right. They, they, they experience like the fullness of humanity. I mean, there are saints who, who, um, saints who, who, you know, went to, went to war and went on adventures and, Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, had children and reigned over kingdoms and like, yeah. like just, I mean, you, you imagine it and there's saints that have done it, which is um, so encouraging, mm-hmm. it you is. know, because it, it allows me to have the freedom of knowing that it doesn't, it doesn't matter how, uh, I don't want to say how far I stray, but you know, when I inevitably screw up that, uh, there's, there's a place for my sainthood still in that. Mm-hmm. Cause I always think of St. Paul, you know, what a jerk. Mm-hmm. He started off as just horrific, a mm-hmm. persecutor of Christians mm-hmm. and, and knowing that I've never strayed that far, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> knowing that I, I would never intentionally hurt people. Mm-hmm. And he did the utmost, mm-hmm. um, horrific thing to Christians. Yeah. And, and yet there's still redemption in that. And there's still sanctification sure. for him. And, and out of that, I mean, St. Paul is oh, also... the fruit from that, ex- Yeah, right? the, the fruit from that is that St. Paul is the arguably the greatest contributor to Christian evangelization yeah. world, w- worldwide, right? Because 
without, you know, he, he wrote over half of the new Testament. Yeah. So without him, um, there's this whole conversation about the person of Christ that never, mm. that never happens. Yeah. Right. That never, that doesn't, you know, and that's not to say that God wouldn't have gotten it done without some Saint other Paul, way. Right. But, but the fact that he did that but way, the fact that God, you know, saw that potential in St. Paul and kind of wrote that potential mm-hmm. into him and said, this is the opportunity that you have to, to serve me and that you have to kind of be in a relationship with me. And St. Paul's yes. Like even from, you know, like a prison cell mm-hmm. sometimes, even from, uh, these, these moments of really, really great, um, I don't want to say humiliation, but he was, he was kind of, I mean, he was Bottom literally of knocked off his yeah. horse by God. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and was, it was in this, you know, it, you know, he, he was, he was blind and he, he was having to depend on these people that he had been persecuting. Right. Right. And so there's all this kind of like, you read it and you're like, uh, I'd say that's humiliating. That sounds awful. Yeah. Right. And yet St. Paul continues to say yes, uh-huh. as hard as that yes might've been. Um, and God is very, uh, very generous when we say yes, he's very, very generous, not only with us, but with, again, like you said, the, the fruit of what yeah. that, what that yes is. Um, so we're going to talk about some saints. We're going to talk about, uh, some saints that are important to us and kind of their yes, and maybe how their yes, uh, their continued yes in that mm, state of perfect yeah. communion with God in heaven, uh, has affected our lives and continues to affect the lives of so many, um, other people. We didn't talk about this. Do you want to go first? <gasps> oh my gosh, you didn't. Oh, oh my gosh. Maybe I will. Okay. How do you go first? I- <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay. Okay. I would like to start okay. by talking about a saint um, that has been with me from my youth. And that is St. Don Bosco or St. John Bosco, nice. otherwise known as Don Bosco. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to a school that was run by Salesian nuns, which is the, the order um, Don Bosco founded. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just evident. I think whenever you're with um, orders their charism should be shining through and and it and it does right um so the sisters that taught me mm-hmm. not just taught me because it wasn't it wasn't just about school right they taught us about um life and how to be in communion with god and each other um they're all about educating the student with emphasis to um, include or reach out to um, troubled people, okay. troubled kids. Okay. So that was like kind of Don Bosco's thing. So of course, um, when I when I learn about Don Bosco, I, I'm I feel a kindred spirit because he's from Italy, mm-hmm. which yeah, no. mm-hmm. I got some Italian heritage there. Um, and I think <sighs> I'm always it's interesting how many saints when you learn about them have this um kind of traumatic childhood Mm -hmm. so um his dad died when he was just four years old and so from then on out his mom was raising i think three three sons and um was pretty you know was was very good about keeping them organized and um faithful and such and such but Don Bosco was looking for that um spiritual fatherhood and um definitely clinged to um the idea of the fatherhood of the priesthood and, mm-hmm. and had that desire in his heart early on and I don't know I just I have always felt um a kindred spirit in him and then it um, 
the idea of him being an advocate and seeing the value Mm -hmm. of youth Mm -hmm. when I was young was important. And then that kind of followed me into my adulthood. When Matt and I got married, we went to um, a parish that was very close to the parish where I went to school Mm -hmm. and I didn't even know it existed. How weird is that? Right. They're like literally a couple of blocks away. Hmm. But, um, this parish St. Rosalie was, um, is, is still ministered to by Salesian priests, oh, wow. which also ministered the local boys high school mm-hmm. where my brother went and nephews goes and stuff like that. So, um, I keep getting this wave of Don Bosco in my life. And, um, whenever I have the reappearance or like the, uh, not reappearance, like an appearance. Okay. That's not what I'm saying. But you know, when, when somebody comes into your life through word, through prayer, through conversation, um, I, I, I'm, I'm a stickler for details. Mm -hmm. So I pay attention. And so when I look into him and, and realize that he is an advocate for, um, tending to the youth. Mm-hmm. It doesn't come as a surprise to me because like my most transformative years of, um, I guess if, if we think of, um, our relationship with God is kind of like a tapestry, you know, like when I was drawn closest to him was in, um, in my late teens in retreat ministry mm-hmm. and like learning about Don Bosco, like that was one of his, one of the things that he advocated for were retreats and ways of doing service, praying together with the youth. And so I feel like, um, he's kind of like a patron saint of my life, Mm -hmm. um, for that sense. And then also in just rearing my children Mm -hmm. in knowing, um, looking at, looking at them and their goof ups and knowing that, Don Bosco sought out the orphans who were looking for leadership and and yearning for what guidance and, and maybe not knowing what they were looking for, Mm -hmm. but he saw the need to draw them in and make a place for them and make them feel, he made them feel included Mm -hmm. and valuable to the kingdom. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's a there's a um, uh, a piece of uh, Saint Don Bosco's legacy, I guess that you could say. Um, so uh, he he also is kind of credited with developing youth ministry or, mm-hmm. or kind of setting up a foundation for youth ministry like we know of. Oh wow! T- today, right? Uh-huh. And, and his whole idea uh, for youth ministry was that you know um, in especially in the young people that he was ministering to, which were kind of kind of victims of the industrial revolution right they were right. they were often um uh you know teens young boys that were uh were were orphaned um or their parents were mm-hmm. factory workers and so their parents weren't weren't around right. like it was, bas- it was basically slave labor right and yeah a lot of times these young boys were even you know working in factories and and kind of um subject to these really terrible conditions uh it, you know they, they were oppressed people mm-hmm. right and so um one of the things that he kind of realized i think uh in his one his his love of saint francis de sales right yes um, hence is, the name hence, Salesian, yeah, right? hence the name yeah um Sorry. but he 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 loved to have a good time, right? He, he, he loved to, and he loved to make sure that people felt like 
they could relax and have a good time that young people felt like they could just be young people, even if it was just for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's something that I think when we think about, um, when we think about the saints or when we think about mm-hmm. like, you know, the holiest, pious, most pious person on the block. Right. We don't necessarily think about that. Think about but sacrifice he was, and But he was stuff. like learning magic tricks, you yes. know, to, 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 sh- he to, to sh- juggle. To, he learned to juggle. He played soccer. Um, just these really kind For of. For the benefit to bring in the men. Exactly. These, these, yeah. these ways that he could kind of, kind of show, you know, young people that, that the church, uh, loved them and cared about them, that, that the church had a place for them and that, that, that God was paying attention. God mm. was paying attention to their lives and, and to, um, the things that they cared about. Yeah. Right. Um, I, I love him. I, I, I think that he is, he is so, uh, to me, he's been so unique among, uh, patrons. And you mentioned, you mentioned that word patrons. Yeah. Um, and we kind of think that we, I think sometimes Catholics think they only get one. Right. Oh, I definitely play the field. Yeah, me too. I, I got a <laughs> bunch of patrons. And really what that means is, is like, think of it as a, as an advocate, mm-hmm. as kind of a partner, uh, in this, this journey with, with God. Right. And, yeah. Um, so for me in, in, in youth ministry, I'm really glad that you bring him up. He's been, um, someone that I know is very actively engaged in, in interceding for me yeah. very like very his his spirituality kind of comes out in in what I do in youth ministry and I know in your experience in youth ministry as well it's it it's does, kind of yeah. it's like man this you know you'll, you'll kind of read something about him or say a particular prayer to him asking him to pray for you um, and then all of a sudden in your youth ministry programs like things things change things mm-hmm. things you know they, they feel different and they sound different yeah. and, they, and they, you know, they're kind of making an impact in this, in this different way. Um, that's, that's super cool. Do you have any, like, uh, do you have any, like, uh, any, any, who's your, do you have like, maybe like a, like a go-to saint for any like particular things? Am I putting you on the spot? No, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Um, yes. So when my kids are sick, I go to Padre Pio. Um, that one because that one always feels dire so I'm like oh mm-hmm. uh, go to him uh, St. Monica for for parenting stuff um, Zellie and, and Lewis Martin nice. for parenting stuff um, yeah St. Anthony wanna lose something mm-hmm. <laughs> me too Sorry. No, it's yeah it's true I, look I wouldn't go and to St. Anthony I wouldn't go to St. Anthony if it didn't work Exactly. That's I mean, the thing. Like I feel bad. I want I want a like, better, uh, more profound relationship I'm with him. Sorry. I always feel I bad that I'm just like you. Can you help me find my keys? <laughs> right. Um, but it works. Yeah. I mean it just does. You it know, does. he's he's there uh to to, you know, help help the lost and, mm-hmm. and help us find our lost things and our lost yeah. you know, holiness and our lost friends and like it's it's pretty cool. All the things. Yeah. And if ever I'm feeling like um down or depressed and stuff. I I think of Maximilian Colby because mm. I just can't imagine um, having the strength and the fortitude that he did. Mm-hmm. And I just pray for you know just like a little just a little shaving of that. Just mm-hmm. give me a little bit of help me. Yeah. Um, if you if you don't know, Maximilian Colby uh, was uh, was martyred in a concentration camp. He was. Um, a, uh, a Franciscan priest, 
um, Polish Franciscan priest, and um, he was uh, he was instrumental in kind of the spiritual resistance against fascism uh, mm. before and then through I guess about halfway through uh, the Second World War, um, and uh, when he was when he, you can you can read about it, but when he was captured and taken to a concentration camp, his ministry um, kind of found its like its real purpose it's calling, and, yeah. and everything that. Uh, he'd kind of been through this, some different struggles that he'd, he'd been through in ministry prior to that, um, in his vocation prior to that, everything kind of fell into place, mm-hmm. uh, when he was put in a position of, of, you know, like real, real suffering yeah. in a concentration camp. He became, he became a, a leader, not only for, uh, other Catholics, other Christians, uh, but for, of course, Jews that were there, yeah. that were there with him. Um, there was a, uh, kind of the famous story of his, um, of his martyrdom that, that you, you can definitely read in more detail. Uh, essentially the commandant of a co- concentration camp decided that they were going to, they were going to kill a prisoner that mm-hmm. day. Uh, and they had selected, um, they had selected someone who was pretty much begging and pleading that he, he had a family yeah. and that he, he didn't want to, um, he, he, he wanted to see his family again. He was begging for his life so that he could hopefully see his family again. Um, and, uh, of course, the, the the Nazis being as as cruel as they they could be, mm-hmm. um, they you know they they didn't want to do that. They didn't want to relent. Uh, they didn't want to give in to that request of of mercy. Uh, and so Maximilian Kolbe kind of stepped up and said, "Hey, take me instead. Yeah. I'm I'm I don't have anything to lose. I'm a, I'm a priest. I don't have a family. I don't have children. Um, take me instead." And um, there are some different kind of varying accounts of what happened next. But basically, he was taken to a gas chamber. Um, and, uh, and, and there were several, uh, a few different attempts on his life. He was finally, um, killed with a a carbolic acid injection. Right. Uh, but, um, that was after sort of, uh, rallying this group of men that had been sentenced to death in the gas chamber, uh, through prayers and hymns and, and there are are witnesses that say that they heard him, uh, singing psalms mm-hmm. and reciting the psalms uh, literally until the very end, um, and and that it was really kind of this beautiful, if if it if it can be, it was this beautiful death, kind of mm-hmm. in this in this um, in this conversation with God, very deep in this conversation with God, and and so uh, you know we we look at we look at those kind of stories, and I think it's really easy for us to get. Um, I mean, to feel less than, right? <laughs> to feel yeah. like like I'm never I'm never gonna I'm get there. I'm not gonna there. have that kind of experience and if I and if I did I don't know that I could do that I don't know that I would stand up yeah but I but I think that the the important thing to remember there is that the motive for St. Maximilian Colby and the motive for St. Don Bosco those those motivations are the same Mm. and and those motivations are to glorify God and to to introduce people uh to God in these really profound ways. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and it doesn't, you know, the, the fact that Maximilian Colby was martyred for his faith. I think if you were to ask him about it, um, that's kind of a secondary detail mm. to the fact that hopefully God was glorified in, in the process, in the process that God was glorified through his life yeah. and that people, people could see, um, the glory of God in that, in this, this whole sort of in, in the totality of his life, mm-hmm. right. From, from kind of beginning to end. 
Um, you said something really interesting that a lot of the saints have, um, you know, they have these kind of different experiences in, in childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, parents get sick or, or th- like there's some kind of, kind of trauma. And I, and I think that's, mm-hmm. that's true. There are lots of saints like that, um, where they, they have to, they have to learn or, or they have to commit from a very early age to, to leaning on God. We certainly see saints like St. Francis of Assisi or St. Augustine, or it's not like that. They, right. they kind of have to have this like adult kind of come to Jesus meeting with God yeah. and, and, and God kind of like, again, like St. Paul knocks them off their high horse. Mm-hmm. Gets um, their attention. But again, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, a cool thing to see that no matter what the circumstances of someone's yeah. life, that they have the ability, um, God gives us that opportunity again to, mm-hmm. to kind of turn around and, and to, to not just come back to him, but mm-hmm. to have those, um, those struggles bear fruit in these really profound ways. Um, yeah. that's, that's really, there's really no cool. That's really cool. Yeah. And, and there's, and, and again, beautiful thing about the saints, there's a story out there that is exactly that there's a saint out there somewhere that is exactly where you are right now or, or was exactly where you are in your life was at that point, uh, at some point in their life, mm-hmm. right. And thought the things that you're thinking and was frustrated by the things that you're frustrated by and, and all of that stuff, right. We, we have so much in common. Um, I, it's like, you know, it's almost like DNA. Like we're 99.9% the same with the saints. They've had this, this, and these encounters with God and they've, they've allowed God to, to transform them through those encounters. And for some of us, um, well, if we're not in heaven, then that's the piece that we're missing, yeah. right? Is that that transformation is not complete yet. Um, but they, mm. they, their lives prove to us that there's that potential and that that potential is really, really good and really, really available mm-hmm. to us through through the love of God, through yeah. this, this relationship with him. I love it. It's so fantastic because there's no, I feel like, um, a sassy parent with the saints in the sense that, you know, you can easily do that. There's no excuse. There's mm-hmm. no excuse for you not to strive for sanctification because, you know, give me a circumstance. Sure. There's one, sure. there's one who's been through it. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Hey, can I, I ask you about Alfie? Alfie? Saint Alfie. Is that? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, St. Alfie, I'm going to have to look You up. weren't going to go there, were you? I was not going to go there. <laughs> was he chasing you? Like was he, he chasing was me? He, did he find you? Yeah, a little bit. Um, so that's kind of a unique thing that I think happens with, with the saints that happens in, in people's lives with the saints is that the saints will kind of, like, we think we kind of discovered them. I think they're trying to get our attention yeah. a, a lot, you know, through, through their prayer, through their, their unique relationship mm-hmm. with God. They're trying to get our attention a lot of the time in ways that we, we don't realize, or maybe that we, you know, we, we kind of look back after the fact and we're like, man, you know, Saint so-and-so was like, was there the whole time yeah. or, or must've been thinking of me the whole, cause there's just these, these, you know, sort of coincidences that just kind of fall into place. Mm-hmm. Um, like our friend Jim likes to say, there are no coincidences, right? When right. we're, when we're yeah, talking yeah. about our relationship with God, God doesn't, he doesn't work in coincidence. He, that. he really, he's very intentional mm-hmm. all the time, which I um, appreciate. So, uh, servants of God, Alfie lamb. First of all, servants of God is the first title that you get in the canonization process. Right. So that's someone that's lived a, a life of heroic virtue. 
It has caught uh, the attention and, of uh, yeah, and that the church assumes is, church. In, is in heaven. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, anyway, so so this guy Alfie Lamb, uh, he's he. I think he was. I think he was. Yeah, he was Irish, um, and uh, he was just this guy that was so devoted to uh, a relationship with Mary and a relationship with Christ that he he allowed those relationships to to essentially dictate all of his decisions. Mm. If he felt like Mary was pushing him one way or, or, or Christ was pushing him one way, he was just very open to saying yes. And very open to kind of going on this adventure um, of, I like that. of life uh, with, with God and mm-hmm. with, and with Mary. Um, so he, he winds up um, learning a bunch of languages. Uh, he learns uh, Spanish and Portuguese uh, and he eventually goes to South America, um, setting up uh, these branches of a um, uh, of a movement called the Legion of Mary, which is essentially it's a it's a spiritual movement within mm-hmm. the church. Okay, so it's not something uh, kind of in addition to Catholicism. It's kind of like uh, almost like the fruit of this particular okay. Catholic spirituality, right? Um, and as he's as he's evangelizing in this way, he basically gives his life for this movement in such a way that so like so many people come to an understanding of the relationship. He's 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 credited with with uh, helping so many people come to this understanding of the relationship between Jesus and Mary, mm-hmm. and not just their relationship, but how that relationship extends to us. Oh, right and how interesting. and, and yeah, how yeah. that how that relationship how we're invited into that relationship between mm. Jesus and Mary. Um, I don't know that. Uh, I don't know that th- those are necessarily things that weren't talked about before right. Alfie Lamb. Like we can't necessarily give him all that credit, right? But but it's not necessarily about that, right? It's about the fact that again. Uh, his entire life glorified God, mm. and there's this there's this sense of real. Um, uh, real sort of genuine, uh, I don't want to say accomplishment, but real genuine love for God, a, a real genuine pursuit of God that kind of, uh, it's like, it's like, you know, throwing a rock in a pond, like all of, mm, all of the, the ripple effect. The, yeah. yeah. There's this ripple effect. And, and when you kind of look back on that legacy of his particular ripple effect, you can look, you know, through, uh, you know, here's this, this Irish guy, right. Uh, and sort of coming, out of nowhere into South America and mm-hmm. kind of rejuvenating, renewing this, this idea of, um, of devotion to Mary, devotion to Jesus through Mary, uh, in a way that is changing people's lives. Yeah. And it's not just changing people's lives, uh, in a temporal sense or a physical sense, but it's giving people, um, a reason to hope, giving mm-hmm. people a reason to, um, to, to, to continue to kind of work for their own relationship with God each day. Um, he came into my life, uh, kind of randomly, um, like in, in youth ministry, I, I was looking for ways to talk about Mary with my teens Get out! and all of a sudden, uh, I, I had like this, um, he, he, I don't even remember what app it was, but it was like a, like a Bible app or a, or a, uh, like a reading kind of reading of the day app. And it popped up and it was like, hey, this guy, Alfie Lamb, like, is all about teaching people to love Jesus through Mary. Like, mm. that was his thing. And I kind of read about his, his life and his, um, his cause, his devotion. And 
I'm glad I got kind of a little refresher here on the internet. Thank you, Nikki. <laughs> um, but that's okay. Um, but but it really like it 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 really. I remember it being like, man, this guy is is not only um, really cool, really cool to read about, and really cool to like to learn about and know about. But he's also like exactly what I need to learn about and read about and know about like now, right now. Yeah. Right. Um, and and so that was. Uh, that was pretty cool. Alfie Lamb, Servants of God, Alfie Lamb, uh, A-L-F-I-E-L-A-M-B-E, I believe. Yeah, L-A-M-B-E. Yeah. So very Irish spelling. I love it. Of Lamb. It's fantastic. Um, I want to tell you about one of my favorite <laughs> patron saints um, before we run out of time oh, here. So- oh, wow. Yeah. Dang. I know. I did- <laughs> I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Um, I totally it's cool. hijacked No, it. you did. That's great. I-, I love Alfie Lamb, and I hadn't thought about him in a while, so that's very cool. Um so, uh, if I had to say like, like who is my one patron, um, I, my patron saint at confirmation was Pope St. Gregory the Great. Interesting. Who's a patron saint of artists and musicians and, oh, that's you. um, was also really instrumental in developing the liturgy. There's a lot of people who think that he wrote everything in the liturgy. That's not really true. He, he kind of, um, uh, he's given credit for like, like kind of defining what the liturgy should be mm. and and for really kind of giving us some structures like some liturgical structures as a church and, oh, okay. and when he was pope which is really cool um i picked him on a whim right i picked him out of a saint book at my confirmation retreat when i was like 15 or 16 and i was really trying to impress this girl named nicolette <laughs> like that was why i was on the, like i was really trying to hang out with her um anyway you're funny uh, yeah um but Unlike Nicolette, uh, Pope St. Gregory has, has been a, a, a pretty constant force in my life. He's someone that I've, that I've uh, established a relationship with that I really, really care about. Um, my other patron is really who I want to talk about, and that's St. Martin de Porres. Um, St. Martin de Porres was born uh, in Lima, Peru, um, and he shares a birthday with my mom. That's which is super cool. cool. He's born in on December 9th. My mom was born on December 9th. A little bit before my mom, uh, <laughs> born in 1579. So a little bit. A while back. Um, the the short story kind of about his life, uh, he was an illegitimate son of a nobleman. Uh, he was mixed race, so essentially we can assume that his, his um, Spanish nobleman father uh, was in a relationship or depending on who you ask, uh, a very kind of illegitimate, abusive relationship with a slave, mm-hmm. right? And um, he was, uh, St. Martin was the product of that relationship. So he was he was biracial. Um, at that time, uh, it wouldn't have mattered, um, you know, his, his who, who his father was didn't matter. The, the fact that he was, he was of African descent, um, of slave descent, uh, basically, insured his poverty mm-hmm. growing up right and so um he was uh he, he he lived a very tough life grew up a very tough life um and his his mother uh kind of recognizing that she couldn't um she couldn't really rely on his father to support him or that she she couldn't support him herself um she kind of looked around for these different opportunities to get him educated so he was like a um like a barber's apprentice mm-hmm. um he he worked uh in 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 kitchens and, you know, just doing kind of different things, essentially, essentially like kind of slave grunt labor, but they kind of, those things kind of ensured his survival. Right. And so, uh, when he was a young man, um, he, uh, asked to be, um, a, 
uh, he, he, he asked the, the Dominican brothers, uh, you know, kind of living, um, living near him, uh, if he could join their order. And they said no because of his race at the time, you know, wow. that wasn't allowed. That's kind of crazy to think about. It's weird. Um, but uh, he kept asking um, and he was willing to be the lowest man on the totem pole for the glory of God. So they essentially allowed him to be a novice. Um, indefinitely. Indefinitely, no, with, with no, really. Yeah, yeah, with no real hope of, of becoming much more, at least in that, in that, um, you know, in that sort of class structure mm-hmm. system, uh, you know, and, and he was the first, uh, the first brother, Dominican brother of African descent in the Americas. Um, oh, okay. I say in the Americas because, because like, like St. Augustine lived in Africa, right? Like, okay, like there yeah, were, yeah. there were, there were lots of, you know, if we look back on our history, um, the reality is that the, the 12 disciples were, were not 12 Anglo looking people, right. right? They were, they were from like present day Palestine. They looked yeah. like Palestinian African people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's important that we, we kind of make that distinction and make that clear. This was a, this was a problem with colonialism in yeah. the, in the Americas, uh, you know, Spanish, French, British, whatever. This was, you know, kind of that problem. And, um, but he became this person that was really, 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 um, well loved within his mm-hmm. community. Um, partly because he was just so, so gifted in prayer, gifted in his, um, his ability to, to tend to other people's needs. He, he always wanted to take care of the poor. Um, he was also like, like the, the, one of the things they say about him is that he was, he was headstrong, but he was so nice about it that mm-hmm. you couldn't like, you couldn't really get mad at him. Like he would, he would do things. Um, he would always be doing kind of what he thought was right. And, um, he would get in trouble a lot of the time because he wasn't kind of following, following the, the rules, rules or whatever. Yeah. Um, but he would get out of it because he was like, this guy's so holy, you know, like yeah. this guy's so nice and holy. He's also known for these Eucharistic ecstasies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so his, his brothers, his Dominican brothers would actually have to, um, he would take the Eucharist and he would float and, and like have this vision of heaven as he was floating and his, his Dominican brothers would have to hold his legs so he wouldn't float away. Oh my gosh. I know that sounds That's crazy. Wild. I know that sounds crazy. Maybe to a lot of our <laughs> listeners, um, you know, it's, it's written down in more than one place and it's something that the church takes very seriously. Um, but, but, and there's several saints that have kind of experienced that same as well. Thing. Yeah, so, yeah. so, um, those kind of supernatural things, uh, come along with this supernatural relationship with God sometimes. Um, okay. You, he came into my life. Yes. Um, so a little over, uh, 10 years ago, uh, 10 or 11 years ago, I was on, um, one of the mission trips that I've talked mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. before. And, uh, at the Basilica of Our Lady of San Juan in San Juan, Texas, which is really beautiful. It's this really cool place. Uh, they would kind of host our mission trip and, uh, and we'd stay there at the Pilgrim House at the Basilica. It's usually about uh, between 80 and 100 of us, uh, adults and teens. And um, we'd stay there. The first thing we did when we got there on a Saturday morning or, or early Saturday afternoon is we went to Mass, right? Um, and so we'd go to the Basilica for Mass uh, and um, usually before the mass, they, they would give us a tour, right? So there's this big like candle room where there's tons of people's prayer intention candles burning. And there's like a saint room, um, with a bunch of different statues of saints and paintings and cool different things. And then there's, there's kind of these, um, uh, like 
I don't want to call them like a, it's not like a relic room or a reliquary. It's like a, like a devotional room where people okay. would kind of leave their prayer intentions and leave there. And you could kind of walk through and add your own prayer intentions to certain things and, and kind of see other people's prayer intentions and pray for them. It's just this really beautiful, these really beautiful prayer spaces in mm-hmm. this, in this basilica. And so, um, we're kind of going through that stuff and I'd been there several times. So I was kind of like off on my own, just kind of you know, reading different things and looking at different things. And there's this, uh, statue of St. Martin de Porres. Um, and he's, he, uh, he was known for his love of animals. So there's like a little dog yeah. and a little rat, uh, in, on his statue. And I kind of thought that was cool. He's also called, uh, brother broom. Cause he did all the, all, the, sweat, all huh? the, the grunt work mm-hmm. basically. So he's, he's shown there with a broom. And I thought this guy looks cool. You know, like I'd seen that before, but I was, I'd never really been intrigued. And for some reason I wasn't. So I knelt down right in front of the statue and I literally, my prayer was just long enough for my knees to kind of hit the kneeler and for me to say, St. Martin de Porres, pray for me. And then I got right back up and I kind of moved on to the next thing. Right. And didn't really think too much about it. Um, that, uh, that year, um, unbeknownst to me, we had, in, the, in that mission trip, we kind of entered into a little contract with a local parish there, um, oddly enough, uh, St. Martin de Porres Parish, mm. right? And uh, so we were going to go there and we were going to have some, uh, you know, they, they were going to kind of uh, like take care of us and feed us. And, 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 you know, we were doing these work projects and different things. And so they were going to kind of be hospitality they to us. They were your host yeah. parish. And so we got to know some of them and it was really cool. And that, that, um, that project kind of... Uh, or that, that year kind of went off without a hitch. It was really nice and we made friends and completed this work. And we, um, you know, fast forward a year, uh, we come back to, uh, the same Basilica, um, or, you know, we're kind of having the, the, the same, um, it's pretty much the same schedule. We're doing the same mm-hmm. things, right. And, and working on people's homes and giving this VBS and different things. And, um, I had, I'd been kind of feeling, uh, I just thought I was tired. I'd been feeling pretty exhausted, mm-hmm. uh, the couple of weeks leading up to, um, that, that second trip. And, and it'd been a long RE year and I was kind of in my head, I was like, you know, like guys don't ever want to go to the doctor. I don't want to go to the doctor. So I was like, I, you know, um, and so, uh, I remember kind of walking through again on that same tour and seeing that, that statue of St. Martin de Porres and being like, again, you know, St. Martin de Porres pray for me and kind of going through the whole thing. And we again went to that host church that was going to host us, uh, on the Wednesday night. And, uh, the pastor came out a little, little bit different this year. The pastor came out and he said, um, I have something really cool. I want to show you guys. And he was kind of a different kind of quirky guy. And we're like, okay, this is weird. <laughs> And he said, um, I have a first class relic of St. Martin de Porres, but you can't tell the bishop because I just have oh it in gosh. a, I just have it in a monstrance. Okay. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. which is a, like this glass vessel, glass and gold vessel that kind of shows off holy things. Right. Yeah. Okay. So he pulls this thing out and it's this, it's a piece of St. Martin de Porres, uh, wrist bone. It's a first class relic. So it's a piece oh, of wow. his body. Okay. So it's a piece of his wrist bone kind of in this, this little, um, like circular frame monstrance thing. Um, and we all get to go up and venerate it. Right. Which means basically you get to look at it. Um, and hopefully to be very reverent when you're looking yes. at it, it doesn't mean much be more in than its that. presence. Well, yeah, yeah. Be in its presence. Right. Um, and so one of my teens, uh, who, um, was on the trip, he was kind of a young adult on the trip. I think he was, a he had just maybe just graduated. Um, or maybe he was going to be a senior anyway. Um, 
he's we we got that was really cool it was a really cool thing i was like oh yeah saint martin de Porres, that's cool right and um we got back to our our pilgrim house and he pulled me aside and he said james what did you see mm. when i when, when, when you, you when, venerated when you, the when you looked relic. at that thing and i told him i said i saw a piece of wrist bone it was like it looked like a little rock you know, a yeah. little kind of grayish whitish rock in there and he got kind of like flustered and i was like man are you are you okay and he was like he was like i saw like this bright blue like like diamond thing like this bright blue like gemstone like shiny bright blue i was like man i, I don't know what to tell you man i you know <laughs> i didn't see that i you know i'm I don't know what that means. Maybe it's something that's specifically for you, you know? I, I don't know, you know? So that was kind of the first weird thing. It was like, okay, you know, St. Martin's tra- trying, to trying, to, trying to get our attention, mm-hmm. right? And so um, so the week goes on. I'm still not feeling really great. By the time we get through with our um, all of our projects and we leave on that next Saturday, I'm sick. And I'm I'm not sick like um, like I have food poisoning or like I got heat stroke or something I'm sick like something is really wrong I can't I can't really even kind of make it through the day like fatigued I feel bad I'm having a really hard time just kind of pressing through things so we um we get in a big smelly church van we're driving home we get about halfway home uh it's about noon or one so we stop for lunch and uh it's the middle of the summer in Texas the van AC in the van is super cold right I'm driving and and I feel okay I get out of the van, like step into the heat, and I almost passed out, which for me is really weird. Never had an issue with heat, anything like that. I instantly was also not hungry, which is also weird for me, right? And I was like, <laughs> I'm, I'm really sick. So everybody goes into, it was like a subway or something we'd stopped at. Everybody goes in, gets their food. Um, I got like two things at Gatorade and I'm just like, I'll just get home and kind of sleep this off. I'm coming down with the flu or something like that. Like whatever. So I get home, um, get everybody home that, that night I'm trying to, uh, to lay on the couch and my feet and I have a fever and my fever is spiking. I'm going from about 96 to about 106 Ew. in about, I don't know, like these 30 minute increments. Right. Ugh. And it was just the most miserable fever. I mean, my body was really fighting, fighting yeah. something off. And so, um, my roommate, um, and, and, and good friend. And, and then my girlfriend at the time, um, thankfully both said, dude, you have to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Like something is wrong with you. Let's go. Yeah. Well, the reason I didn't want to go to the hospital, uh, my, um, my health insurance was, well, I didn't have any at the time I was in kind of a gap, right. Mm-hmm. Of health insurance. And I, um, I thought, you know, I'll kind of get through this without having to pay for any extra health insurance, mm-hmm. get through this gap or whatever. Um, because at the time my job didn't, it didn't, didn't offer didn't it. Offer it. Yeah. So, um, I, uh, I go to the hospital and of course I get there and I'm fine. My body, like my fever's broken. Uh, that's the worst. My body feels okay. Whatever. Um, they do blood work and, and do a couple of other tests and they're like, there's some weird stuff going on. We want to, we want to admit you into the hospital. Never been in the hospital in my life. And so I, um, this is going to be a little bit long. That's okay. Is, is that okay? That's fine. I just, I, I'll edit out the fact that I just said that. No, 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 um, that's fine. So I'm good. I, um, I, I go up, it was late at night when I'd finally decided to go to the hospital, uh, so they wouldn't let my, um, my girlfriend or my roommate 
up with me. So I go up alone. I've never been in the hospital. They're, you know, putting IVs in, poking me and, you know, all kinds of stuff going on. And no one can really give me any answers as to some symptoms that I have. My back really hurt. Um, I felt, uh, I felt bloated, even though I hadn't like eaten or drank anything. Like there was just like a lot of weird stuff. I had this weird fever. Wasn't making sense. Um, and, and they, they couldn't really do anything about it. They gave me like really strong Tylenol to knock the fever down and they gave me IVs, right. To get me hydrated. Um, but it was really strange. And then I was in this hospital room, uh, with a gentleman that was in traction. It was like the cliched, (laughs) the cliched thing. He was a cast from like head to toe in traction. Okay. So I'm like, man, this is, this is looking bad. (laughs) This is not looking good. And I remember getting, I'd never been in the hospital before. And even though I was like 27, I got really scared. I got really, really scared. And I remember looking up at the, the ceiling tiles and telling God, God, like, I, I really feel like I could die in this scenario. Like, I, I really feel like, you know, this is really scary. It was that bad. And if I die, I just, I want to be right with you. I want to be right with you. And I remember just praying that over and over again until I fell asleep. And I woke up to someone calling my name right? Like kind of off in the distance, someone calling my name. And I remember very vividly having the thought I died. Like, <laughs> like I'm in, you know, I died and, and purgatory looks Ooh. just like this, ho- this hospital uh. I was in, right? Like it was kind of weird. And then, you know, the kind of the cobwebs cleared a little bit and I realized someone was in the hallway looking for me, like looking for my room. And, uh, I, I heard a nurse kind of say, you know, Mr. Longoria is in that room or is in whatever number. Mm-hmm. And this, this kind of person comes through the door, uh, and comes through, comes to my side of the room. And it's a, a priest here in the diocese of Austin named father knock Russell. He was the first person to come visit me in the hospital. And he says, I have come to bring you the Eucharist. Those are the first words out of wow. his mouth. I've come to bring you the Eucharist. And he says it in such a profound way. Um, I, I just, I, I lost it. I started crying. I, I knew that, that God, my, like my father in heaven was not only there in those moments with me when I was really scared, but he was also like telling me, you're not, you're not done here. Like, like mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to give you like hope kind of beyond all hoping, right? I'm going to bring you the, the resurrected body of Christ in the Eucharist. And, and, and so, um, I got, uh, viaticum, right. Which like essentially last rites, anointing of the sick. Okay. Um, no, I'm sorry, not, not last rites. I got anointing of the sick mm-hmm. and anointing of the sick is awesome because you, um, you're absolved from your sins, uh, but you don't have to confess anything. Right. <laughs> like the priest just <laughs> puts his hands over you and is like, Hey, let's, so let's get this done. That, right. Yeah. Um, it's really cool. And for, for, uh, for several weeks, um, just kind of as a sidebar, uh, Father Nock extended his hands over me and prayed this prayer of absolution. And for several weeks, I thought Father Nock had put his hands on my head. Like he, I could physically feel his hands on my head. Mm-hmm. And, and I was looking down at the floor, or I guess I had my eyes closed with my head kind of pointed towards the floor. Um, and I was several months later, after I'd kind of recovered from all this, uh, I was teaching a confirmation class about um, reconciliation. And he was in the room because he was helping with confirmation. Oh, wow. And I told the story and I said, you know, Father Nock like put his hands on my head and I could kind of feel this release of just mm. this stress and this negativity from, from me. And Father Nock was like, James, I never touched you. That's... I uh, never, I never, t- I never made contact with you. 
the weight that you were feeling was Jesus. The weight that you were feeling uh. was the Holy Spirit. And I remember just being, it, it is, it is weird and it is supernatural, right? Uh-huh. It is kind of, you know, but I remember feeling so cared for, mm. like just God was like in that moment in the hospital. Yes. Just yeah. so like abundantly present. And it, and it kind of refreshed that memory mm. of that presence of, of, of God for me. Um, so the rest of that day, I felt better. The rest of that day, uh, the doctors there in the hospital I was in couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. Um, so they let me go home and they, they kind of figured out a couple of things and they said, well, we think that this one thing is like causing this other stuff, but it didn't really make sense. And, um, my, my stepmom who works in healthcare at the time, uh, I think she was still a nurse. Um, she's in like hospital administration. She had some friends in, uh, the medical community in Houston. And she said, James, that's, it's weird. Uh, we really want you to go to come see some of these people. We're going to come get you. Cause did you and, still and feel bad? Oh, I felt horrible. Oh. And I went, I went and I got, um, the medication that they prescribed and then, uh, went back home and still, and I didn't feel any different really. I, I really didn't. I, I didn't feel better. And so, um, I go to Houston, I go to some different doctors, mind you, this whole time, my insurance, You're not insured, I'm, I'm huh? not insured. So there were doctors, even her friends that we saw in Houston that said, we're sorry, we can't help you because you know, you're, you, you don't yeah. have insurance. Right. Um, so something that's worth mentioning, um, St. Martin de Porres had kind of been on my mind this whole time. And St. Martin de Porres is the, he's the patron of the sick and he's the patron of the poor. Uh, in his day, he was a, he was a doctor when you're a barber, uh, in the, you know, early 1600s, you know, if you can cut hair, then you can also like, cut other things. like treat the sick. Yeah. Right? yeah, exactly. And so, um, he's the patron of the sick and the patron of the poor and, not to say that I was living in poverty, but I, I definitely had a need, uh, in, in, you know, financially for, for medical care yeah. right, at this time. And, and so, um, I don't know what compelled, uh, my stepmom and my dad to kind of say, Hey, we're going to go to this one other place. And it's a, it's a private, um, it's a privately run hospital. Uh, it's just a group of doctors, but they have like a, like a small ER like mm-hmm. facility there. And okay. So, um, so I go there and, uh, um, I'm, I'm laying, you know, I'm, I'm kind of laying in bed. They do some tests. This, this PA, this older woman uh, comes in and does some tests and draws some blood and they, they give me more, you know, IVs and stuff. And they're kind of trying to figure it out. And, and, um, but I haven't really seen a doctor yet. And, um, I know my dad and uh, my stepmom are kind of out talking to like the front desk people. And I've kind of gone into my own little room kind of, and I'm like behind this curtain. And the doctor, um, the doctor comes in and he's an African-American gentleman mm-hmm. and his name is Dr. Martin. And oh, I remember when he walked in and I saw his, his medical coat and it said, Dr. Martin, I was like, that's strange. Mm-hmm. Like that was, you know? Yeah. And so, um, the, the, the major symptom I was dealing with was this pain in my lower back, right? I had this really bad fever that would come and go. And then I had this pain in my lower back. And so he told me, he said, I'm, I, I really need to look at your back. Like I, you know, and, and I said, okay. And, uh, I remember like trying to make jokes and stuff. Cause I was wearing a hospital gown. Like I was naked, right? He was gonna, <laughs> gonna see me. And, and, um, and he, he kind of laughed, but, but I, he was so like focused on, Helping you on helping me. Mm-hmm. And so I, I rolled over, I showed him my back and he, he never, he never touched me. Um, he, I just heard him go, huh? 
okay. And he called over his, his PA and he said, what does that look like to you? I'm like, what do you, what does what look like? Like, I don't have anything on me. Like, cause like, did anybody else ask to see your back? Oh yeah. They, they'd looked all over and they'd, you know, they'd drawn like, they'd done like a, like a skin test and all oh. kinds of, all kinds of different uh-huh. stuff. Okay. Um, x-rays and everything. And she just goes, she didn't say anything. She just goes, oh yeah, huh, okay. And it was kind of like that, like that cliche doctor thing. Like I concur, I concur, I concur. Right. They're kind of having this doctor conversation and I'm like, I'm like, what is going on? Like somebody tell me. So he tells me to roll back over. He says, um, uh, James, you, you have something called cellulitis. Uh, it's, it's really bad. You're really close to, we saw some weird things in your blood. Um, you're really close to, to essentially being septic. Oh. Right? Um, so we need to get some really powerful antibiotics into your body right now. And we need to get you hydrated. So this, I had one IV. He said, you're going to get like, I got like two or three more IVs. Of the pouches uh-huh. of fluids. And, and, um, you know, I, like we need to, to make sure that, the, and I, and I remember being kind of bewildered, like, and he didn't even touch me. Yeah. How could he be so how, certain? How could he be so certain? He didn't even touch me. Um, and then he, he looked at me and he said, um, James, I was talking to your dad, uh, out in the, in the lobby. And, um, he told me what you were doing when you came down with this. Uh, he told me that you were on a mission trip and that you were, uh, you know, helping, helping rebuild people's homes and, and, you know, teaching little kids about God. He, my dad actually was really aware of what I'd been doing, which was kind of cool. Um, uh, was, was really cool actually. Um, but, uh, he was, he was very intentional about kind of him saying, you know, Hey, that's a cool thing. Um, and he said, so, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna give you this one on the house. Oh my gosh. And I said, excuse me. And he said, you know, I know you don't have insurance. I know that you, you work for the church. Um, we're going to give you this one on the house. Uh, it's, it's kind of on us. Um, and I was just, that's like, incredible. I was, I was like blown. Like I, I almost he started says it crying. Like it's I was a like drink, speechless. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah this much. one on the house. This one on the house. Right. This just is huge. Like not a big deal. And he goes, Oh, and you're going to need like five or $600 worth of prescription meds. So we're going to put oh. those in your dad's name. Wow. So that you can go get those at whatever pharmacy. Um, but just don't, don't tell anybody because that's, that's illegal. Like we can't mm-hmm. do that. And I immediately thought, okay, here's this kind of short African-American doctor named Dr. Martin, who is, is not only like, like healing me, like taking mm-hmm. care of my body physically, but he's, you know, so we think about St. Martin de Porres being patron of the mm-hmm. sick. He's taking care of me, a sick person. He's also taking care of me, a person who is is poor, a person mm-hmm. who doesn't have the money to pay for this, this medical care. Um, and then he's kind of breaking the rules to do it. Yeah. Right. And I think about that quality of uh, St. Martin de Porres of just kind of being exactly like, it. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, of, of being willing to kind of break the rules. Um, I don't know, I don't know what it was about. Um, I don't know what it was necessarily about that experience that, um, well, I know, I know that it was grace, mm-hmm. but that grace is so mysterious in the sense that that experience, the more that I think about it and the more that I, uh, I kind of sit with it and pray with it, the more that I, I, I always learn something new or I always think something new about God's love for me. Right. And the, and, and it's not, I mean, I've, 
told that story a bunch of times, and it's not, it's not that the details change. It's that the feelings change, and the, maybe the profoundness mm-hmm. of God's love for me, of God's grace for me, um, kind of, it becomes more powerful, it becomes more mm-hmm. impactful in my life uh, as I as I look back on it. Sure. Um, I, I don't, I don't tell that story because I want to be like, Oh, look at this cool saint thing that happened to me. I tell that story because I didn't believe stuff like that was possible Mm -hmm. before that experience. I didn't believe that, that, um, at least not to that magnitude. It wasn't like something that I was necessarily like looking for or, or, you know, when that team came up to me and said, I saw this big blue, you know, shiny rock. Yeah. I was skeptical. I was like, you know, okay. All right. Uh, what do you, I mean, what do you, what would you say? What do you say yeah. to that? Right. Um, but now it's like, yeah, you did. Mm-hmm. And not only like that experience is an encounter with God and it's an encounter with God that's uniquely for you. And God wants you to look back on that encounter really for the rest of your life mm-hmm. and to, to, to accept the grace from it. To continue, because it's, it's kind of like that, um, the well that's unending and mm-hmm. it, it, you can continue to receive graces from that one, not one event. I mean, that was a series of things for you, mm-hmm. but you can continue to receive from it. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that's to me, that's, that's, what's been revealed to me about the beauty of, of the communion of saints mm-hmm. is that mm-hmm. these, mm-hmm. these lives, these experiences that they have, these, um, you know, uh, I mean, just the, the, I mean, why do we, why do we pray the Hail Mary prayer over and over and over and over again? Is it because we're, you know, like gluttons for punishment? No, it's because that experience praying through and with Mary is incredibly powerful, Yeah. right? And it's incredibly powerful every single time. The saints have come to this place in their relationship with God where God's power through them knows no bounds, Mm. right? They're, they're no longer limited by, you know, their human frailties or their human shortcomings, right? You know, St. Martin de Porres, he's, he's, he's not God. He's not equal to God, but he's this transparent instrument of God's grace that is 100% transparent, 100% usable, 100% kind of malleable and moldable by God. Yeah. That's not only a, um, it's not only something for us to emulate, that's something for us to really, really, really take advantage of. Exactly. In our relationship with the church and our relationship with one another and our relationships with the saints. Well, I think I like the idea of, you know, God doesn't need the saints to do things for us, but he loves us and he's so specific and, um, pays attention to details that he finds us and in, in all of our quirky situations or desperate situations and allows for us to be transformed by the people who are also following him and are sanctified through him. Absolutely. It's just beautiful. I feel, I feel, um, known, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and, um, it's like, he doesn't give us generic gifts. Mm-hmm. They're very specific mm-hmm. and they're not always from things that we have on the registry. And, you know, like it's sometimes it's stuff we need yeah. that we don't know we need yeah. that he gives to yeah. us. Yeah. It's like, it's like when my, it's like when my grandma bought me like a safety light for my bike <laughs> for my birthday, I remember thinking like, oh, 
this is not very cool. Like, not at all. But I think about it now, and it's like, who who knows if that like like I put it on my bike and I it, rode around. Did with that it. save your life? Did that save my life? Yeah. You know, I, thankfully, I have no idea if it did. Thankfully, right? Yeah. But it, but it very well could have. And yeah. and I and I think our. Our, you know, we can look at our relationship with God and especially our, our giftedness and, and see that reflected in the saints mm-hmm. um, in a very, very similar way, right? Like the, the purposes uh, of our lives, the, the uniqueness of, of our lives, I think um, whether it's fortunate or unfortunate, it's, it's kind of lost on us. Like God doesn't, mm-hmm. God doesn't reveal all of it to us. He doesn't reveal all the reasons, right? Um, because he, he wants us to to desire him. And he wants us to become these 100% transparent instruments of his grace. He wants us to mm-hmm. kind of, to kind of move into that and, and to, to take advantage of that. Um, and what's, what's cool is instead of kind of showing us like, you know, Nikki, here's the end of your story, right? Nikki, here's, here's your full potential kind of laid out or written out on a page. Yeah. I don't want to know that. Right. Um, you don't want to know that because, you, you have free will mm-hmm. and God respects that free will. But what God will do is he'll say, Nikki, here's St. Don Bosco. And I'm going to show you through his life, how amazing a relationship with me mm. is and can be. And, and, and you can have that yeah. too. And I want you to have that too. Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to say something. I think pretty profound, uh, for me. I don't know that I would still be Catholic without the saints. Really? I I think the saints have, the saints have brought me back to the Eucharist. The saints have brought me back to my prayer life, have, um, really, really encouraged me to be my own person in my faith. I love that. In, in really remarkable ways. I have, I have a lot, I I owe a lot to a lot of different saints, Mm -hmm. especially St. Martin de Porres. Alleluia for that. Alleluia for that, indeed. The aunts and uncles. I, I don't know why I said that last time, but mm-hmm. yeah, I just think of them rallying around us, rallying around you in mm-hmm. your situations and kind of just still um, holding you close, letting you know that you're loved, you're cared for, mm-hmm. you're seen, mm-hmm. and you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's very cool. Have you noticed that my microphone has been going Nikki's, Nikki's, been, Nikki's microphone has been slowly... <laughs> Sagging. I don't want to. I don't want to do this because I think it's that's okay. Make a I think noise. that's a good. That's probably a good place for us to wrap up. We've been talking for a long time uh, on this episode, um, but it's been a really good conversation, and we really appreciate you hanging in there and listening, Ragamuffins. Yeah. Thank you. And you know what? Like in a late to church kind of um, themed way, if you don't know about saints, do not be bashful about investigating. Because I think I feel a little embarrassed sometimes that I don't know as much as I think. I should about mm-hmm. any saint, all mm-hmm. the saints. I mean, you hear me talk. I don't know sure. a whole lot, but I know enough to pique my interest and get me into prayer and get me into investigating just the interesting lives and, and obstacles overcome mm-hmm. and love found. We also live in this really wonderful age of technology where you can yes. you can type in saint of the day like we encouraged you to do last week. Yes. And and really, you know, like like literally make a friend. There's so much info. Learn learn about someone that can have this really profound impact on, on your prayer life, your spiritual life, your relationship with God. Um, it's a really, really cool thing. So, uh, no, I don't, I don't think that that's, I don't think that that's silly at all. I don't think that that's a, um, necessarily, again, it's not necessarily something to be 
like ashamed of. It is this, you know, we live in this sort of time of opportunity where we can yeah. look and say, man, the saints, like the saints are amazing. The saints, um, uh, you know, we, we can see the variety, right? It's not, it's not something where, you know, we, we don't have access to them. Um, right. We have all this, all this wonderful access and these, these wonderful, you know, this gift of this, um, this huge communion of saints. There mm-hmm. are, there are literally thousands of saints in the, the canon of saints, right? Mm-hmm. So recorded by the church. Um, and then there's holy men and women throughout our lives that are up in heaven glorifying God exactly. um, that we can, we can lean on as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so don't be afraid to do that and don't be afraid to, um, to kind of, ex- kind of spread your wings in your prayer mm-hmm. life, uh, in this, in this relationship with a saint or, or many saints. Yeah. Cause it's always comforting to, I always am comforted by the, Ooh, you did, you went through that too. Mm-hmm. Me too. Mm-hmm. Feels good. It does. You ready to pray? I am. Let's do it. In the name of the Father, the Son, Son and the the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Ragamuffins, thank you for holding on so long in this episode. We really appreciate it. It's by far our longest episode. Um, it's like two hours right now. We're going to have to edit it down real far. Uh, but that's okay. There's so much um, to talk there about. There is so much to talk about. Uh, we will be back um, next week with a little primer for Ash Wednesday. Ah, um, it's Lenty time. Yeah. Um, so we're getting Lenty real close Lent. to Lent. Uh, we'll be coming out with some cool stuff about that. Until then, we love you. Yes. We're praying for you. St. Martin Peace. de Porres is praying for you. She's, that Martin dude's amazing. Yes. All the saints are praying for you. Actually, all they you are. holy men and women pray, pray for, for us. us. That's all it takes. Um, go find a saint, make a friend, and uh, let's all be saints together. Yeah. Peace yeah. out, guys. Peace. Late to Church podcast is an AMET creative production and is hosted by James Longoria and Nikki Moncada. Our theme music is Candle in the Shadows by the Poor Kings. Check them out on Spotify or wherever you download music. Incidental music is by Punch Deck. Find us on Instagram at Late to Church Podcast and let us know your questions, comments, and thoughts by contacting Late to Church Podcast at gmail.com. Your insights might even be featured on the show. Just a little reminder you are good. You are worthy. You are the beloved. Look around for the Lord today. He loves you and he wants an encounter with you. Thank you for journeying with us. We're praying for you. Peace.